welcome to this edition of the Alabama Historical Association's podcast program. I'm your host, Marty Olaf, and I talk with people who conduct interesting research and do interesting things concerning Alabama history. You can find out more about the Alabama Historical Association, a membership organization devoted to Alabama history, by pointing your browser at our website, www.alabamahistory.net. Our guest today is Frazine Taylor, president of the Alabama Historical Association for 2019-2020. President Taylor is the Alabama Historical Association's first African-American president since its founding in 1947, and this April 2019 won the Virginia Vanderbilt Hamilton Award given from the AHA to a person who has done the most that year or over the course of a career in connecting professionals with non-professional historians. Frazine, thank you very much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you. Tell us what your presidential agenda is going to be. Well, I only have one year and I want to put some things in place that I can also be a part of after my tenure. I'll say one of the things I will do is to follow through with the pilgrimage that will be in Wetumpka, Alabama in 2019, that's October, and follow through with conferences in Florence and help putting that together. But beyond that, I wanted to, for us as a group, to look at our membership and for people who are attracted to us. We don't seem to ask with any group that most people are part of. The younger generation is not attracted to some of the things that we do. And we're going to look at that and see what we can do to make the association more attractive to the younger generation. And to do a survey and to do a, a solid analysis of it and to continue to do this and then come up with ideas that how we can attract that the younger generation that more diversity and, and uh, groups of that nature. You also just created a ad hoc committee That's, on HBCUs, didn't you? Well, it started off as, as an ad hoc on HBCUs, but in rethinking, it needs to be larger than that. Not only HBCUs, that's our diversity part, a piece of that. I'm going to have to rename the committee, but larger than HBCUs is down to the whole generation. You see what, why we are not attracting the people who are doing history in the state. Do you have any ideas about how to reach into the community of people who are already interested beyond students in Alabama history? I don't have any ideas right now because I want to start with phase one. And in phase two, there is a number of members over the years that have dropped out. Why did they actually leave us and, and don't come back to our meetings and don't reach out? We as an association need to reach out to the people that want to be in this organization, that need to be in this organization. We haven't really done this, I don't think. It's a larger phase. We can go on and on about the problem. But when it comes to solutions, it's not too much said. But a lot of people within the organization probably been thinking about these, uh, this very, very thing and have solutions. I'm always one that if you have a problem, you need to come with a solution at the same time. Well, I hope that the outreach for this attracts the people that you want to bring you solutions, the mm -hmm. people in the organization that already have these ideas, as well as bringing in actual right. new members and some right. new interest from people in the community. And that's why we got to find out what we are doing that don't encourage them to join. Mm -hmm. That was a great yeah. organization. I learned a lot of stuff. And this, it wasn't taught in, uh, in schools years back when I was coming through. So and you learn a lot of, about your own history. 
I think that's a real benefit of membership in the Alabama Historical Association mm-hmm. is to attend the meetings, mm-hmm. attend the pilgrimages, and listen to what people are saying that have done the research that mm-hmm. you haven't been able you to do. You haven't been able to do, right. Well, listen, speaking of research, you are an author of a research-specific book. Isn't that true? That's true. And it's research in African-American family history in Alabama. My publisher told me when I chose that title, he wanted me to change it, and I, I said no. And what has happened over the years, I've had to explain it by saying you can be any ethnic group in any state. The book applies across the board and what because everyone who's doing family history will look at the same records. They're going to look at census records. They're going to look at county records, but different eyes, different, different ways in which you research. For example, the county records where you're looking at a will, whereas a, another ethnic group may look at the will, but in the African American particularly look at the same will, looking at the will owner sometimes will their slaves to their children or whatever. But anyway, looking at the same record, but looking at it under different eyes and just have to be taught that. Based on your understanding of that body of research, you have been offering workshops around the state for quite a while now, haven't you? Yes, I have. When I started at the Department of Archives and History some years, 1986, years ago, there was no emphasis on African-American research. Then African-Americans who would come to the archives would sometimes have to wait on one gentleman. If he went to lunch, they had to wait to get back from lunch to help them. And when I became head of ready, ready reference at the time, I said that had to stop. We had to learn everybody's, how to do everybody's research. Then I found out a lot of times the African Americans were not using the resources because they felt somewhere in their mind that there was nothing, no, nothing on them in a census or in a, any, any records. And what I had to do is to do workshops based on the information for African Americans. Although anybody can use it. if you have a census, what do you have inventory, if you have diaries. The last workshop I did was in Utah, Salt Lake City. I have done in Georgia and Mississippi, but I've done all over the state. And uh, if someone listening to this podcast wants to engage you for that, they can contact you, correct? Yes, they could. They can contact me through my email, which is phrasing.taylor at att.net, but let me spell phrasing because some people put an N in the wrong place. It's F-R-A-Z-I-N-E dot T is Taylor, A-Y-L-O-R, Taylor, at at att.net. There may be people listening to the podcast now or in the future who may not know much about you. Tell Mm -hmm. us about your background, and give us a little autobiography, if you would. (laughs) Okay. First of all, I was born in Alabama in Wallsville, Wetumpa area. Left, went to boarding school in Bruton, Alabama. Graduated from there, went to Knoxville College, graduated from there, and went into the Peace Corps. And served in the Fiji Islands for, for two years, came back, did recruiting for the Peace Corps, and eventually ended up working in the Peace Corps headquarters in Washington, D.C., where I became in charge of sending people overseas. While I was there in D.C., met my husband, married him, and convinced him to come back to Alabama with me. <laughs> and anyway, I was going to leave him there anyway. <laughs> but anyways, Was he from Alabama? No, he's from D.C., born in D.C., and his family came from New Jersey. He came, he loved it. One thing he told me that if he came to Alabama, he was not moving to Montgomery, a country town. He was going to move in the country. <laughs> so that's why we <laughs> lived in Wallsburg, in, in my family home, where I was born. 
And so we fixed it up and, you know, we've stayed there. I mean, he passed away in 94. I've been staying there until 2011 when my mother passed and my brother passed. So I just came to Montgomery. I do more now than I did when I was working at the archive. I teach in a lot of engagement, but not only that, I am also with the paper environment and the building environment, doing historical preservation of, of sites. Because once a once you tear down a house or you tear down a building, the history is lost. That's happened so much in the African American community. Mm-hmm. And one of the places, even in my hometown, where we had, we talked about, we had a place called the Love and Do Well building in the years when segregated towns, and that's where the African Americans came to town. They went, they went to the musical entertainment place, business was there, cafe was in this place, and just a little block. We had a, a funeral home. A, uh, just different, all things happening right at Black because it, the, the town was segregated. Nothing is there now except for one little cafe because it was torn down. And no one knows about that building. In fact, I was looking at my ancestors. When they built that building, they borrowed the money from Mobile. And one of my ancestors was secretary. His name was written on that, the deeds. But what, what I'm saying is that the building environment is important as well as the written environment because people lived in houses. And they did different things, so you, you know, you got to almost connect the two together. Well, we also know that the paper environment reflects people who oh. live in a literate culture. Oh, right. And most people actually don't live in a literate culture, regardless mm-hmm. of ethnicity. They live in an oral culture and a mm-hmm. built culture. So those things are as important, important. as the paper mm-hmm. that we have spent so much effort mm-hmm. to, um, to, preserve. Uh, to preserve and yeah. maintain and make accessible. Yeah. So, yeah, you're making a great point there. You've also been in leadership roles in a number of organizations around the state that are historical and preservation-oriented. Tell us a little about well, those. The Black Heritage Council, which is an advisory council to the Alabama Historical Commission, I am the chair of the Elmo County Association of Black Heritage. I'm the president of that, which runs a museum, a Black History Museum. And I'm t- oh, just oh, I've been on. The, I was president of the Friends Board for the Alabama Archives mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and still as a member. I currently work part time at Alabama State University in their archives, not a leadership role, but helping to describe the civil rights collection. Well, without description, you don't have access. So that's right. That's that's one of the most important most steps important. that mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't even think about if they're mm-hmm. not intimately involved in archives. That's work. right. That is so true. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything that I have not covered? Oh, yeah. After my Peace Corps tenure, I visited several foreign countries, but one of them I was in New Zealand. Where I worked on a sheep farm as a rouser. <laughs> I worked with the Maori people in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and after they were sure to see sheep, my job was to clean this dirty wheel from the clean wheel. <laughs> well, somebody's got to do that job, Somebody too. Got to do- <laughs> How long did you do that? Oh, about two, two and a half weeks. But it was just a part-time. What I was doing was working my way up to the World's Fair. It wasn't open when I got out of the Peace Club. I worked for a lady in Fiji at the YWCA, and she was the director, and she had a farm in New Zealand. And hmm. she said, oh, I said, well, I'm looking for a place to work so I'd be at the fair when it opens. So she said, well, you can work at my farm in New Zealand. It was two other young ladies, so she got all of us. It was three of us. One young lady said so she couldn't do this cheap, so she went into the city and got a secretary job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you hung out with the sheep. I hung out with sheep. <laughs> I had some pretty skin hanging out with the sheep because all that lanolin on the wood. Yeah. Well, thank you, Freezing Taylor, very much for speaking with the Alabama History Podcast today and with me. Mm-hmm. And good luck with your presidential year. Thank you. And you want to help. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. 
Thank you for joining us today. This has been another edition of the Alabama Historical Association podcast program. Our music is the traditional tune, Whistle By, performed at city stages in 1996 by James Bryan and Carl Jones. It's provided courtesy of the Alabama Folklife Association, which you can find on the web at alabamafolklife.org.